Talk Podcast. Yeah, I just want to, you know, spread awareness about this technology and allow access. So, you know, as an SLP, just knowing that this exists, not only for people with hearing loss, but for people with normal hearing that struggle to process speech and sound, this is a really great strategy and intervention for that population. So just, you know, knowing it's available and knowing where to find it. So going to my website and understanding, you know, how it works how you can access the technology, I think, is the, the first step to helping kids on your caseload. Hey, SLPs, I'm Michelle, and this is the Pep Talk Podcast for Continuing Education. This podcast provides furthering knowledge on topics related to speech-language pathology. I interview experts in our field to bring you the most up-to-date information so you can go out into your workplace and feel more confident and learn new skills. You can use this episode for a professional development hour to maintain your ASHA CCCs. This course is also certified by the Texas Speech and Hearing Association, also known as TISHA. You must complete the course quiz with a passing score to earn your certificate of completion. You can find more information, other courses, and helpful tools on my website, peptalkpodcastforslps.com. Connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or email me at michelle at peptalkpodcastforslps.com. I love hearing from you guys. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Just a quick disclaimer, the contents of this episode are not meant to replace clinical advice. Pep Talk Podcast, its host and guests do not represent or endorse specific products or procedures mentioned during the episodes unless otherwise stated. Each episode topic has been carefully chosen to fill an educational need. If you have an additional perspective or any information to contribute, or if you need special accommodations to participate in this course, please reach out at info at peptalkpodcastforslps.com. This entire episode is transcribed if you would like to or need to read this episode in text. Hey there, I'm Michelle Andrews, and I'm your host for the Pep Talk Podcast. This episode is about the benefits of using remote microphone technology. My guest speaker today is Don Arts. Dawn is an audiologist and founder of Helpful Hearing. She is an expert in pediatric hearing technology and has recognized the need to increase awareness and access to remote microphone technology outside the populations of individuals with hearing loss. Dawn received her doctorate of audiology in 2007 from Salis University and draws on almost 20 years of clinical and hearing aid industry experience as a pediatric audiologist. She cultivated a passion for educating parents and professionals on the benefits of remote microphone technology, and her goal is to educate and support these families to help their children succeed. Before we get started, we need to go over some formalities for the course by going over our financial disclosures. My financial disclosures include, I have a Teachers Pay Teachers, Boom Learning, and Teach with Medley Store under Pep Talk LLC. I'm also the founder and manager of the Pep Talk Podcast. My non-financial disclosures include Speech Arcade is an in-kind sponsor for this podcast. Dawn's financial disclosures include no financial disclosures. Dawn's non-financial disclosures include no non-financial disclosures. And yes, I have to say it so specifically like that. It's, It's weird. Okay. Now here are the learner objectives for this course. Participants will be able to define what a remote microphone system is, 
participants will be able to list at least three populations that can benefit from using a remote microphone system. Participants will be able to summarize the role of a speech-language pathologist to support the use of remote microphone technology. Okay, let's get started. Today, we are talking all about what speech-language pathologists should know about remote microphone systems. Don is going to describe who benefits from them and why, also how SLPs can be involved in the process. I am so excited to introduce today's guest speaker, Don Arts. Hi there, Don. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm so excited to get started talking about this. Um, let's get started. I know I gave a little bio, but could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, definitely. So I've been a pediatric audiologist for almost 20 years. I've worked in the clinical setting at a nonprofit speech and hearing center, where I focused mostly on fitting hearing aids for pediatric patients and diagnostic testing, and also managed uh, their FM or remote microphone systems um, for about 300 kids on my caseload at the time. So that's really where I started to love um, FM and remote microphone technology. Uh, I've also worked in the hearing aid manufacturer setting, and in that position, I supported audiologists in the hospitals and also in the schools. Um, and so a large part of what I've been doing is educating on hearing aid technology and remote microphone technology for children with hearing loss. Awesome. Okay. So and then you have recently started Helpful Hearing that has a little different focus. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So as an audiologist, I believe that we do a great job supporting children that have hearing loss that wear hearing aids and cochlear implants. Um, specifically, educational audiologists in the school environment support these children by providing and managing their remote microphone systems. And what that is, is where a child has receivers that are essentially downloaded in their hearing aids, and the teacher wears a microphone. And using this technology allows the child to overcome distance and background noise. And so it's like they can hear the teacher uh, no matter where the teacher is in the classroom or how noisy it is. But really where I saw a gap in support was children that have normal hearing but still struggle to process speech and sound. I see. So this sounds a lot like what I have heard called an FM system. You said remote microphone system. Let's just make sure everyone has their terminology uh, up to date. So is a remote microphone system the same as an FM system? Yeah. So I think, you know, SLPs in the school environment especially are really familiar with the term FM system. Um, and FM stands for frequency modulation. Um, but back in 2013, FM was changed to DM because the technology was no longer frequency modulation, but it's now digital modulation. So now you may have heard the term Roger, or you may have heard it called assistive listening technology or HAT. Um, people call it hearing assistive technology or Bluetooth microphones. So there's a lot of different names, um, but it is the same technology. So now most of the literature that you'll look at refers to this as remote microphone technology. So it's a nice umbrella term that can include all of the different types of technology. Okay, that's helpful to know. I know when we first uh, started even chatting about this, it took a moment to even click in my head, oh, this is the same, this is like an FM system that I am familiar with. This is what she means. Uh, I was like, what's this new thing called a remote microphone? Yeah, but um, very, very helpful to, to get that. 
Um, yeah, so I am familiar with using an FM system in the school setting with children with hearing loss. Um, but I'm so excited to dig a little deeper into this to talk about using this with children who do not have hearing loss. So these systems have been around for a long time. Like we said, a lot of us are familiar with a, uh, an older term, even for what we're talking about here. Um, why do you think SLP specifically don't know a lot about the current research, um, or don't know a lot other than for using this with kids with hearing loss? Yeah, I think there's a few reasons. And one is that the research has been done on using remote microphone systems for children with normal hearing um, that are autistic or ADHD or have auditory processing problems. And this research, there's been a lot of it out there, but it really hasn't been shared outside of the audiology community. And I actually reached out to some of the researchers um, that are doing current research specifically on using remote microphone technology for autistic children and asked them, you know, what is your your plan to educate people about this? And, um, you know, the plan continues to be to, you know, present at audiology conferences, um, but the plan isn't to go to other professional conferences like, you know, places that SLPs get their information, um, you know, like maybe ASHA or other occupational therapy conferences or, you know, talking to pediatricians or parents. Um, so I, I really decided that, you know, this is something that I'm going to start doing. Um, you know, audiologists are so familiar with this technology, but we need to make sure that, you know, the professionals that are working specifically with this population know about this technology and how amazing it is. Um, so I've been doing some staff in services at um, like ABA centers that work with autistic children, um, also SLPs, OTs. Um, I've been exhibiting at parent conferences. I recently went to AOTA, which is the Occupational Therapy Conference um, in Kansas City. And it's been really awesome to spread awareness about the benefits of using this technology um, and having people, you know, listen to it. It's it blows their mind. They're like, "Wow, this is amazing technology!" You know, where has this been? Um, and you know, and it's been around. It's just you know we haven't done a great job of educating outside of the audiology community. Um, another reason I think is that it's not well known is that audiologists tend to focus on children that have hearing loss, not normal hearing. So if we walk through a typical journey of a parent that has concerns about how their child is responding to speech and sound, they're first going to go to their pediatrician, right? They're going to say, I feel like my child's not responding the way that I think they should be. Um, you know, potentially it's their hearing. So the pediatrician will say, okay, let's get a hearing test. So they'll refer the child to an audiologist. They'll go to the audiologist, they'll complete a hearing test, and probably nine times out of ten, they're going to say, the hearing is normal, which is fantastic. But then they send the child back to the pediatrician, and while, you know, from a parent perspective, it may be comforting to know that their child has normal hearing, their ears are working, but the concerns about the lack of their appropriate response to speech and sound was not addressed. So the parent's still confused. You know, even though I know my child has normal hearing, it doesn't change the fact that they're not responding when I speak to them. 
So it's possible that the hearing is normal, but the brain is having trouble processing the speech and sound. So recently, I co-authored an article titled Strategies and Interventions for Improving Listening Skills. And I'd like to see audiologists counsel parents more that while their results showed normal hearing, maybe we could explain to the parents that it could be that their child is having difficulty processing auditory information, and there's some strategies to help. Right. So I am just so proud of you for um, trying to just mend this gap between this cycle of the child has the hearing test, they pass the test, then there's just, then they go back to the pediatrician, everything seems, you know, just it checks out, but yet, you know, they're just missing this piece of the puzzle here. They're, you know, and, and it, it seems like audiologists know a lot about it, but, you know, they get a child and they're, they just check their hearing. There just needs to be a little bit more communication, I think, from everybody. And then the SLPs need to be more aware of this and the parents and the pediatrician. So just all, all of the ways that you have just been advocating for this and sharing the word is so, so important. And even like doing this podcast with me, we're going to help spread the word and really let SLPs know about this. It's just really, really wonderful. And your article is awesome. Like I've, I've read through it a couple times now and yeah, the strategies that you discuss are really helpful as well. Let's, let's dig into those. What are, what sort of strategies do you discuss in your article? Yeah. So one is, you know, be at eye level when you're trying to communicate, because if you can have the visual cues from your face and your lips, that can really help connect with what that child is hearing to what they're seeing. Um, Also, you could use some simple sign language, which can visually supplement what the child is hearing. So you can use easy signs like yes or no or help. Um, Sometimes counting out instructions on your fingers. So when you're, you know, trying to get out of the house in the morning and you're telling your child to, you know, get on your shoes, grab your hat, grab your gloves, you can hold up three fingers so they can remember that there were three items in the list. Also, you can slow your rate of speech. Sometimes their brain just needs time to process what you're saying. So their brain just needs time to kind of catch up. Also, you could reduce the distance. So we're we're all guilty of this, trying to yell at someone from another room. (laughs) Um, So if you really want them to follow an instruction, make sure you're in the same room. Reduce the distance. You know, be within a few feet. Also, when you think about the home environment, it's noisy, right? So let's try to eliminate background noises um, from devices like TV or music or their iPad. Another strategy is auditory training. So there are computer programs that can teach the brain how to process specific speech sounds and improve listening. And also my favorite is using remote microphone technology. So giving the brain a clear auditory signal can help it focus on speech and reduce the background noise. Awesome. Yeah, those are great strategies. And yes, that last one, using remote microphone technology, that's the one we're going to focus on the the most today. Um, Let's talk about who all can benefit from that. So there's a lot of research showing significant benefits for autistic individuals, ADHD, auditory processing disorder, children that have dyslexia, uh, phonological awareness concerns. Um, you know, really when I 
talk about this technology and show people, um, everybody kind of jokes and says, wow, I could use this, <laughs> right? Like we have normal hearing, but wouldn't it be nice to use a technology to help us communicate, you know, in these difficult environments? Right. Yeah. I know that's what, something I was thinking, especially I have three kids. It's like, yeah, I could use this, especially like I'm in the other room. Like I'd love to, t- hey, child, can you bring me this or do this or put your shoes away or whatever? It'd be really cool. Um, but let's get into the benefits. So um, those are the individuals that may benefit from this. Uh, tell me more about those benefits. Yeah, so using a remote microphone system has been shown to improve communication, improve focus, improve phonological awareness, improve reading skills. Um, These children have been shown to be less distractible. Uh, The research actually shows um, reduced physiological stress levels and anxiety, especially in difficult and noisy environments. That's amazing. Um, So that sounds like a magic trick, right? So let's get into how it actually works. Why does the remote microphone system help with those benefits? Yeah, so how it works, uh, the parent or teacher or therapist or, you know, even a friend could wear the microphone and the child is either going to wear a pair of headphones or an ear level receiver so they can wear it in one of their ears or both of their ears. And this allows the child to hear what's said through the microphone, and it overcomes distance and background noise. Um, So one of the, you know, situations that um, we use it in a lot is, you know, thinking about kids that um, are autistic. Um, One of the families I work with, the child is an eloper, so he likes to run (laughs) from the family. And so having the uh, parent wear the microphone and allows them to, you know, communicate from a distance. So if you know, the child was getting close to the street or, you know, they're in the mall or whatever, the parent could talk to that child and say, stop, you know, turn around, come back. So being able to communicate from a distance is also a really great feature. Wow. Yeah. That could really be an awesome safety tool as well. You know, being able to hear and understand and recognize those safety instructions could can be life-changing for sure. Oh, I wanted to ask, so really these children can wear this device pretty much anywhere. They can wear it to school, in the car. Um, what other kind of settings is this useful for? Yeah, so, you know, in the school environment is a great place to use this technology because that's where a lot of their learning happens, right? If they can't process what they're trying to hear because it's noisy and overwhelming, they can really struggle to participate in the classroom, Uh, One of the little boys that I've worked with, he's in second grade, and he is autistic, and he is highly distractible. And I have a video of him in the classroom before we tried this device on him, where it is very clear that he is checked out, and he is just not listening to the teacher. So then we put the device on him. He um, Actually, we chose the headphone option for him because he has a pair of headphones that he loves and he's real familiar with. So we were able to just plug the receiver into his headphones and immediately he lit up. 
he started to participate and he even raised his hand and asked a question. And the teacher was shocked. She was telling me like, this has never happened before. And just like that, by putting on the headphones and having him be able to hear the teacher clearly, um, just made an, a significant impact for him right away. Um, later, that teacher texted the video to the mom and she described it as a huge breakthrough. And they've used it every day since. And the teacher reports that he is just a different kid when he's wearing that equipment. He can actually participate and hear um, and really, you know, makes a difference for him um, in his learning environment. Um, you know, but I really like to educate parents that a lot of learning happens outside of the classroom. And I've seen some really amazing outcomes using this in therapy. So, you know, as an SLP, you're wanting them to be able to, you know, have that clear auditory signal. So that's a great place to use it as well. Um, extracurricular activities, the grocery store, the playground. I mean, it really goes on and on. There's so many places this can be beneficial. That's awesome. Uh, that story about the little boy, that was really touching and so amazing to see it it work just instantly too and how the little boy you said he he lit up and you know it's clear that he was able to tell a difference as well as his teacher and parents and things like that um so he was wearing in the school setting how do you get schools to get on board with either bringing your own system or maybe the school providing a remote microphone system yeah, so I have some families that have purchased the equipment themselves, and then the school has allowed them to bring the technology to school with them. Um, it really depends on the school and the district if um, the school allows that to happen. What I've seen is that some schools will say, you know, I don't want to use the personal equipment, so they'll buy their own set. Um, if they do that, you know, they need to consult with an educational audiologist. So that's how this equipment is obtained. Um, it's from an audiologist. So if the school district doesn't have an educational audiologist, they can either maybe contract services with a local uh, clinical audiologist or uh, myself, or there's other audiologists that do uh, remote support. So that's a, an option for them. Okay. So as an SLP, um, if I'm working in the schools, I have a kid or some kids that I'm thinking this could really, this remote microphone system could be awesome for them. The first step would be po possibly at their annual meeting, bringing up or inviting the audiologist to, to join and suggesting this or kind of what, what are the steps to getting that going? Yeah, absolutely. Involving the audiologist is an important step because um, they're the ones that are very familiar with this technology um, and can be, you know, a good support system, um, you know, at the school level. Yeah, the school audiologist is familiar with the technology, uh, you know, like we talked about at the beginning. This technology is used a lot for, you know, kids that have hearing loss. So it's just, you know, using the same idea, the same microphone, just a different type of receiver for children with normal hearing. Um, and, you know, you don't have to wait till the annual meeting, right? So, you know, it's possible that they could order the technology and trial it in the classroom and see if it's helpful for that student. Okay, awesome. That, would be, that sounds like a great plan to kind of get that started. 
really cool. So can you share a few examples from the families that you've worked with? Absolutely. So I've worked with an autistic kiddo using this equipment during their equine therapy horseback riding lesson. So that was really fun. Uh, The instructor wears the microphone and the child wore the ear level receivers. And immediately his mom noticed a difference and explained that she noticed an increase in his focus and accuracy on follow through. And it allowed him more independent thought and action, which was a goal that he was trying to achieve for a very long time. Another example I have of a family that I've worked with, um, they've used this when they're traveling. So they travel quite a bit. And the airport has always been a situation that they've struggled with in the past. And having their child wear the device in their ear allowed that child to hear and communicate um, and hear mom's voice easily in that overwhelming environment, right? We all know that airports are noisy and busy. And so by having that child hear his mom's voice easily reduced the behaviors that he was having in that environment. And it gave his mom less stress because she was able to communicate from a distance. Um, again, child, you know, tell her child to stop or come back. Um, and she feels that, you know, this really helps with safety and that type of environment. Another fun example um, recently was uh, a child that I work with goes to a basketball camp. It's a Special Olympics basketball camp that he goes to every Sunday. And before wearing the devices, he really struggled in that environment because it's super noisy. He was overwhelmed. There was so many kids. You know, think about a gym being very reverberant. And so he would just kind of stand there and he didn't participate. So we tried uh, having his coach wear the microphone and he wore the devices in his ears. And again, immediately he was able to participate in this environment. So, um, you know, before the coach would, you know, say, hey, let's go dribble the ball down the court. And he just wasn't able to do that. And so his mom actually sent me some videos and pictures as it was happening because she was so excited that now, you know, they're going to this event every week and before he wasn't able to participate. And now he is and he loves going to that environment now because he's able to process what's happening Um, And that same little boy was actually highlighted on our local news channel. Um, And his mom says that using the remote microphone system has been a game changer for every aspect of his daily living, which is so cool. Oh, yeah, that is such a game changer. That is so cool to hear stories like that. You know, something seemingly so small, but it's not. And it can just change a a child's interactions and being able to be involved in these types of activities where before it was just too much or they weren't able to hear the directions well. It's just really, really amazing. I, I think this is really cool. So we talked a little bit about kind of taking the first steps when you're a SLP working in a school. Um, to getting the remote microphone system, but how about other steps like outside of the school even, um, what is the SLP's role in the process of acquiring um, a remote microphone system? Yeah, I think the first step is, you know, becoming educated that this is an evidence-based intervention that's proven to be successful. 
So, you know, as an SLP, you're very familiar with hearing loss and using this technology, um, but educating parents and other professionals that this is an option for people with normal hearing. Um, you know, like we talked about, you know, autistic children, ADHD. Um, I'm sure, you know, an SLP is thinking about their caseload. Oh, yeah, I definitely have that kid that's highly distractible. He, you know, doesn't pay attention in therapy. Um, every, you know, professional I talk to about this is like, oh, my gosh, I have like seven kids on my mind right now that I think this would be really helpful with. Um, so just, you know, knowing that it's available and educating that this is an option and point them in the right direction for resources. So um, on my website, I built, um, you know, basically how it works. Um, I posted all of the research in the resource section. Um, so my website is www.helpful-hearing.com. And, you know, my goal is to let people know about this technology and provide support so that they know that it exists um, and then they can, you know, use it in the situations we talked about. So if a family is wanting this technology, they're going to contact an audiologist. But I will caution you that not audiologists, all audiologists are familiar with remote microphone systems. Um, they may be familiar with, you know, FM or remote microphone for hearing loss, but they may not be as familiar with this technology for normal hearing. So I think it's important to, you know, find an audiologist that has experience specifically with this technology. And before getting this technology, an important piece is that we want to make sure that the child has normal hearing. Again, you know, that should be the first step. If a parent is saying, hey, I'm having concerns, they should definitely be going to an audiologist to have a diagnostic hearing evaluation um, because if, you know, there is some hearing concerns, we want to address that differently than using a remote microphone system. Okay. And then just the last part, I guess you talked about the school again, but are you going to go into that again or should we just skip that? Um, I think that might be an important piece, the SLP, like managing okay. the equipment. Okay. Um, so maybe, right. Let's see. Okay. So once we, once you have the equipment, what are some things that SLPs need to know about managing the equipment? I think the SLP is a great person to be on the front line to understand, you know, how the technology works and help manage the equipment. Because a lot of times, you know, the educational audiologist, again, is working a lot with children with hearing loss. So in this regard, because, you know, these children have normal hearing, the SLP can be the one that manages the equipment and, you know, helps um, train and educate the teachers and other school personnel about how it works, how, you know, to put the device in the ear if they're using the ear level or, you know, how to wear the headphones if they're using that option, um, you know, teaching the professionals and teachers how to wear the microphone, um, that they need to, you know, charge it every night. So the SLP is the one that's, you know, working with these children day in and day out. And maybe the audiologist, you know, isn't at that school. A lot of times, you know, their caseload is very large and they're traveling around, but, you know, the SLP is kind of the, the person that, you know, is seeing this child every day. So having them, you know, really 
understand how it works and manage the equipment, I think would be fantastic for the SLPs in the schools. Right. So whenever you're acquiring, getting the technology, those companies, they love to teach you all about it too. I know I that's kind of similar to AAC devices, some companies I've worked with. Um, and kind of what you told me um, when, when we chatted a few weeks ago is just that you can, you know, learn all about the technology. You know, it, it could be your first time doing this, but, um, you know, they have tra- trainings, I guess, or someone that can really explain it all to you, directions um, where you can feel comfortable and you can feel comfortable also explaining it to teachers and principals and parents and people like that that, that need to know as well. Um, when you are acquiring the device, you talk about a trial period. What all is involved in that? Do you have to prove um, with documentation um, that it's helping? Tell, <laughs> tell me, tell me about the trial period and what all that includes. Yeah. So if an SLP, you know, thought this might be helpful for one of their students. There is a 60-day trial period from the manufacturer. So essentially, you're ordering the equipment with the option to return it in 60 days. So I think a lot of SLPs know specifically, you know, who could probably benefit. Um, But, you know, this is an intervention that may not work for every child. So, you know, let's, you might think that this may be great and, you know, you try it and we figure out that it's not um, you know, for that specific child. So you do have the, you know, opportunity to return it in 60 days if it doesn't work out. Um, you know, and some of this equipment may not be for every child, especially kids that are hypersensitive to sound. Uh, I know that a lot of SLPs are data-driven and they like to, um, you know, make sure that an intervention that they're going to try, um, you know, is needed and then show, you know, kind of a pre and post. So there's several questionnaires that can help an SLP determine if this may be useful for a student. Uh, a few of them are the Listening Behavior and Autism Scale called the LBAS or the Hearing Inventory Questionnaire for Children, the HHIC, and that came out of the Auditory Processing Institute, or the Children's Home Inventory for Listening Difficulty, called the CHILD. Um, but really, in you know, outside of the school environment, the parent really knows the challenges that they're experiencing, right? And so I've been able to I like to do kind of a pre and post or during video. So I'll take a video of the child, you know, before using the technology and observe and see how they're, you know, functioning in that environment. And then we put it on and I take a video too and show, you know, just like I said, an immediate impact that these kids are, you know, able to focus and communicate and, uh, you know, really become less distractible, um, you know, less stress levels, all of those things. It's it's just really amazing that you see it, you know, right away. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking with all, like, what data do I need to take? What do I need to prove during the trial period? But those that you, those uh, questionnaires that you mentioned in, in little informal tests, that, that's going to be perfect. And and yeah, the, the parent report, I think, is going to be huge for sure. Um and then also I was wondering about, this is probably costly, does insurance cover it? Uh, are there programs to help? Tell us about that so we can be prepared with that information when we talk to parents. 
Yeah, so privately, uh, insurance does not cover the technology, but I've worked with several families that have gotten funding from different resources. So uh, if they're artistic, sometimes they have a waiver that will help with the funding or you know, specific um, facility or program that they work with. Developmental Pathways has been a great um, advocate for obtaining this technology. Okay, cool. So there's definitely some routes because otherwise, if you were to buy it straight out, what's the price range for something like this? It's around $2,000. And keeping in mind that this technology can last, you know, five to seven years, and it's not that it stops working, it's usually that there's, you know, new technology that comes out, right? Like we get new iPhones and new computers, like the technology just continues to improve. So you know, sometimes that price tag can be a little shocking for parents, but I like to explain to them, you know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, how much does that cost per day? It's, you know, it's less than a dollar a day. And a lot of these parents that are, you know, struggling and looking for solutions and interventions would be happy to pay, you know, a dollar a day to impact their children so significantly. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I thought you were going to say a much higher number. I mean, I know $2,000 is a lot of money, but there's so many things that, you know, we would pay for. Like, I don't know, my son just got tubes put in his ears a few months ago, and that was well over $1,000 <laughs> when all said and done. And it was life changing, you know, and because and he kept getting ear infections, he actually had a hearing loss due to fluid buildup and just night and day different kid after the procedure. And it's like, I would pay that again. Like if, if they fell out instantly, I'll pay for it again. Um, so something like this, it's like, especially you have the trial period, you can see how much this is helping your kid. And then also there's those programs that you mentioned. I'm sure there could be different ways to, to, to get that for the kid if it's really needed and if it's going to really be such a game changer on their life, you know, um, yeah, what's a dollar a day, you know, over the course of a long, you know, years and years, um, you know, up front, it might be a little bit more, but, um, yeah, I just think that's so important to have that perspective on it and, and yeah, hopefully even get it, get the cost down a little bit with programs and, and help, um, that way. But, what are some other ways that SLPs can advocate for these systems for their students and how to know that it's that it's a right time to advocate for this? I think, you know, knowing that it's available and knowing the population that it's helpful for, right? So, um, you know, as an SLP, I think, you know, I've heard from these professionals saying, I think I could use this on everybody, <laughs> Um, you know, so I, I've talked with some SLPs that have a private practice that um, want to purchase it themselves and then have each child use it. So that's an option too, um, because there is a way that you can change out the actual slim tube part that goes into the ear. Or if you had, you know, the headphone option, like I said before, you know, you can just easily plug the receiver into their own headphones. So, you know, that might be uh, an option too, that the SLP um, is the one that purchases it for their private practice and able to, um, you know, work with some of their um, caseload. That would be so cool. I know you and I chatted a little bit about, yeah, just kids working on articulation or, you know, kids maybe doing the cycles approach where you do have the uh, auditory bombardment section of of that, that type of therapy. I just think 
yeah, this would be really, really cool to have, yeah, at a private practice or clinics or for SLPs using in therapy. Um, I would love to to even do my own research and and do this. It just sounds really cool. Um, but yeah, there seems to be a, a lot of, I know you've done your own research as well, but it seems like this could be, I know we keep, I keep saying game changer. I was thinking that before you, you even quoted the mom saying that just game changers is just like the theme of, of this technology. It's so cool. Um, okay. So we talked a lot about parents using this. How, what are some ways that you first start talking to parents about this and explaining remote microphone technology to parents? Yeah, I explained to them that, you know, a remote microphone system is a microphone that's worn by the parent or teacher, and the child wears the receiver in their ear, or like I said, the the pair of headphones. And what it's going to do is just allow the child to have a clear auditory signal directly to their ear, and that's going to help their brain hear and understand and process speech and improve focus and communication. And I also wanted to mention, you know, a new sort of population that I started working with as well. So some SLPs that may be listening to this that don't specifically work with children, uh, I started thinking this might be really beneficial for those with Alzheimer's or dementia as well. So um, in the hearing loss space and audiology, there's a lot of research going around right now about how using hearing aids can reduce or slow the progression of dementia. And so I started thinking, well, that's really fantastic, but you know, what if they don't have hearing loss? So I looked at the prevalence of hearing loss in dementia, and it's about 30%. So that then say, says that you know, 70% of these individuals have normal hearing, um, but their brain, again, is struggling to process speech and sound. So I've started to um, talk with other providers about using this, you know, in the home where the caregiver could wear the microphone and the, you know, person with dementia or Alzheimer's could wear the device in their ear or again, the headphones uh, and allow improved communication. You know, a lot of times, especially, you know, at home, it could be, you know, difficult to hear in that type of environment with the TV on and things like that. So, you know, I just envisioned the the caregiver wearing the microphone, you know, making dinner in the kitchen and that other person is, you know, sitting in the living room and being able to, you know, say to them, hey, what do you want for dinner? Can I bring you, you know, something to drink? Um, just, you know, being able to communicate in that environment more easily. That's amazing. Yeah, I would love to read more research on that and to to hear more about about that aspect of things. I know, yeah, as SLPs, you know, yeah, we work with kids, we work with adults, you know, we can work with all different settings. It's almost too broad, but um, that that's a really cool other aspect of of this system. Very cool. Oh, I wanted to ask about how do parents usually usually respond when you first bring this up? Are they often skeptical or are they like, oh, this is really cool. Let's go for it. Let's try it. Um, do you find that there's some pushback or, I don't know, tell, tell us how, how they usually react. Parents are really excited about this technology. And, you know, I get the question a lot, like, how long has this been around? Where has this been? Why don't I know about this? I've, you know, like I said, been exhibiting at, you know, parent conferences and, you know, professional conferences and, you know, letting people hear the technology uh, is, you know, eye-opening. They 
immediately are like, wow, this is amazing. I think this could really be beneficial for my child. And so what I've been doing um, locally here in Colorado is when I talk to a parent and I tell them about the technology and I let them listen to it, um, we you know meet at Starbucks or I've gone to their homes or I've met them at a library, all different types of environments, and we let the kids try it um, and see, you know, how they respond. And every single time, it's so fun because these kids are like, mom, I love this. I want it right now. <laughs> um, and the parents oh. are like, okay, okay, calm down. You know, we need to actually order it. <laughs> you can't like, walk out of Starbucks with this equipment right now. So, <laughs> um, and then they get really excited <laughs> because they want to use it in the school environment. So that's another, you know, step that I've been doing is allowing some parents here locally to trial it in the school because that's where they report that they have the most difficulty. Do you find that kids have any issues wearing it at school, whether socially they don't want people to see or if they will just be responsible enough to keep it in and someone have to like keep eyes on them? Um, what are some some things you have to keep in mind for that? I've been surprised at how well children do with it, um, especially, you know, at the beginning when I started this, I thought, um, you know, is there going to be some sensory concerns, you know, with specifically autistic children? Are they going to tolerate wearing the device in their ear? And I've been pleasantly surprised that they tolerate it really easy. And I think part of it is because, you know, once we get it in their ear and they they hear the benefit and see how much easier it is to communicate, it's almost like they forget that it's in their ear because they are receiving so much benefit from it. Right. That's true. They're accessing information and understanding so much better. Yeah, I, I could see that being a huge motivator to keeping that in. And like you said, there's they can use headphones or a really small, I know I've seen a picture of it. Um, it's on in, on your article and on your website, but this it's really small that goes in their ear. It's not really something that probably weighs a lot or pr probably would bother them too much, right? Yeah, there's also re like a retention piece. So there's a actually, actually been able to order a couple on Amazon. But essentially, it's just a, a plastic piece that goes around the ear level device. And then there is a part that clips onto their shirt. So, um, you know, if you were worried about them losing, losing it or pulling it out of their ear, or they're using it in a situation like um, a soccer game, right? You can, you know, clip it on their shirt. And if it does fall out or they pull it out, then it's still connected to them. It's not, you know, lost in the grass or to be never found again. Um, you know, it's a nice way to have that um, comfort knowing that you're not going to lose the device. Right. Yeah. Like your examples of horseback riding and a basketball game, that could be uh, pretty bad to just have a horse step on your device that you worked hard and spent a lot of money for. <laughs> so yeah, that that's a, that's great. Okay. So it's just the, the earpiece and then it's wireless. So there's not something else like besides if you have that safety strap kind of on it. But um, other than that, you don't have to also wear um, another device or anything else. No, no, it's just okay. Parents. That's cool. That's great for kids. Yeah, that makes it easy. Very cool. Another situation that I've used it in. So I volunteer at Praying Hands Ranch 
And so what they do is um, equine-assisted horseback riding for all sorts of different people that have different disabilities. And one of the instructors at the ranch or one of the other – she's not an instructor, sorry. She's a volunteer um, – when I started there, she asked me, you know, what I did for a living. And I told her, oh, I'm an audiologist. And, you know, I work with people with normal hearing and hearing loss. And she was like, oh, yeah, I have had my hearing tested several times because I struggle so much. And every time they tell me that my hearing is normal. And so I said, hey, I have something for you. So the next time I went to volunteer, I had her wear the device and she was floored. So we had the instructor wear the microphone and she wore the device in her ear. And in the arena, she was never able to hear what the instructor was trying to tell her as the volunteer. So she was the the sidewalker. Um, So the sidewalker is a person that helps the client kind of stay on the horse and make sure that they're safe. And she was not able to ever hear the instructor and what they were trying to tell her to do. So now she um, purchased the device and wears it everywhere. She, you know, sends me um, pictures and videos of her using it at church and using it in a restaurant and going to dinner with a friend. And she has just really seen so much benefit. Um, Again, she's got normal hearing, but she just, you know, struggles and needs that additional assistance and has just really fallen in love with the device. And um, I love that she chose pink as her color. So she is um, excited to show people and Um, teach them about it um, and use it in all those different environments. That's so cool. That's a great example of that. You know, we have been talking about kids a lot, but this is helpful with adults as well, all ages. Um, You know, it can really, really help. That's amazing. Um, Okay. So let's close out with one last pep talk uh, you can leave our listeners with. Yeah, I just want to, you know, spread awareness about this technology and allow access. So, you know, as an SLP, just knowing that this exists, not only for people with hearing loss, but for people with normal hearing that struggle to process speech and sound, this is a really great strategy and intervention for that population. So just, you know, knowing it's available and knowing where to find it. So going to my website and understanding, you know, how it works how you can access the technology, I think, is the the first step to helping kids on your caseload. Absolutely. Thank you so much for advocating for this technology. This is really, really cool and can be really, really helpful for so many kids and adults out there. Um, I just I just think this is awesome. This is really helpful. So the, to to learn more about Dawn and remote microphone technology, everyone, make sure to check out her website. Once again, it's helpful-hearing.com. She's an awesome resource to learn more about this. You can read. She has an article that's published. She has research. Her website's amazing. So just go check that out and you can learn more. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something today. All of the references and resources throughout the episode are listed in the show notes and also listed on the Pep Talk podcast for SLP's website. Dawn, thank you so, so much again for joining me here today. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Pep Talk podcast. Remember, you can use this podcast episode for a professional development hour to maintain your ASHA CCCs. You must earn your certificate of completion in order to get credit. 
This podcast course is also Tisha certified. I live in Texas, so that stands for the Texas Speech and Hearing Association. All the references and information mentioned in today's episode are listed in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or simply want to chat, please email me or find me on Instagram, Facebook, or go to peptalkpodcastforslps.com. Thank you for joining in and for continuing your education with me.